We turn in God's holy word this morning to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we read this morning the first 15 verses of this chapter. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So far we read this morning. The text to which I call your attention is Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12 in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead." Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we read the baptism form this morning, we heard a brief remark made following the baptism forms pointing us to Scripture 
and its basis for baptism in the Old Testament and the New. And then we heard the sentence, since then baptism is come in the place of circumcision, therefore infants are to be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. It is Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12, that establishes that truth. It calls attention to the Old Testament sign of the covenant, as well as the new, and the relationship between the two. And the text, therefore, is clearly appropriate for our consideration this morning as we have just baptized two infant daughters and organically considered members of the covenant. The text, you notice, begins with the words, in whom, and the reference is to Christ, whose preeminence is on the foreground in Paul's epistle to the Colossians and must be on the foreground of our own minds if we are to live in the joy that is ours being in him. Verse 10 reminds us that we are complete in him. The apostle emphasizes our union with Christ and the completeness of our lives when we are united with him by faith, and therefore when he has the preeminence. Because he wants the Colossians to know that the self-willed religion that threatened them and the show of wisdom that puts all the focus on ordinances can only leave us as empty as did the Old Testament ordinances of the law. The purpose of those ordinances was not to save, but to lead God's people to Christ. And therefore, when Christ is ours, we are complete. In the text before us, Paul would have us see the specific application of that truth when it comes to circumcision. In Christ, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. And that being true, ye are buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. You have life everlasting. You have that life through faith, which is now established, has established the reality of circumcision, which reality is now signified by baptism. So I call your attention this morning to Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12, under the theme, the circumcision made without hand. We notice the glorious significance, the blessed fulfillment, and the amazing realization. This text, as stands connected to verse 12 and the truth of our union with Christ, indeed our completion in him, points to the glorious significance of circumcision. Circumcision was the ceremony established by God in the Old Testament with his servant Abraham as a sign of the covenant that God had established with Abraham and his seed. In the baptism form, 
We heard once again this morning that reference to Genesis 17, verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. Immediately following, God instituted by command the sign of the covenant that Abraham and his seed after him in their generations must keep. Namely, every man-child among you shall be circumcised. Infant sons of eight days old had to be circumcised as a sign of being partakers of the covenant that God had established with Abraham and his seed. And we might ask, why just the boys receive the sign of the covenant? Why not the daughters? Well, circumcision was undoubtedly appointed by God as a sign that was fitting the nature of the Old Testament with all its bloody symbolism and significance as the various sacrifices and ceremonies of the law all pointed to the necessity of the Savior shedding his blood for the salvation of his people. The entire Old Testament law was the schoolmaster pointing God's people to Christ, as Paul writes in Galatians 3, verse 25. Hebrews 9, verse 22, points out that in the Old Testament, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. In order to teach that without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. A bloody sign of the covenant fit with the whole structure of God's instruction in the Old Testament as he pointed his people to Christ. But there is another aspect of that sign of circumcision that must not be overlooked. Circumcision signified a necessary part of the covenant, namely the putting away of the filth of the flesh in order that one might have fellowship with the Holy One. God cannot receive into his fellowship those who are not holy. But that being the case, circumcision was a reminder of the need for a wonder in order for us to be saved. The nature of that sign, administered by cutting the foreskin of the male organ of generation, was a constant reminder to the believing children of God that they themselves were incapable of bringing forth the seed of the covenant, sanctified unto the Lord. They were incapable of that. In harmony with what we confess in Psalm 51, we are capable only of bringing forth children of the flesh, those conceived and born in sin. The precious infants that we baptized this morning could only be, by the conception of their parents, spiritually stillborn 
dead in sin, and therefore subject to all miseries, yea, to condemnation itself. If all we had in the sign of the covenant was our act of bringing our little ones to God, it could only be a sign of hopelessness, the impossibility of our children being saved. And that truth is emphasized by the inspired apostle in the New Testament when he addresses the religious people of his day and answers the question whether church membership and all that stands connected to it, being religious, whether that can be the basis for our fellowship with God. In Romans chapter 2, Paul says that if we consider circumcision as our work, or if baptism is to be our work, by which we are righteous before God and therefore partakers of his covenant fellowship, then we must be perfect. Romans 2 verse 25, For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. And while there are those who might look at the law very superficially and say, I don't kill, I don't steal, I'm a perfect man, the Bible tells us there is none righteous, no, not one, because God requires of us in everything and at all times to love him perfectly from the heart, from the soul, from the mind. Your religion, your baptism, your church membership, your outward piety, all your religious activities cannot serve as yours nor your children's righteousness before God. For as we read in the last verse of Romans 2, circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. God himself must take us into the fellowship of his own covenant life. And he must do that by circumcising the heart and the hearts of our children. Circumcision was a sign by which God testified that he alone, by the wonder of his grace, would make of Abraham's children covenant children. That is, children who would abide in the fellowship of his family life. He would do that, God would do that, by the cutting away of their sins. That's a wonder of grace. That's something that you and I cannot do for our children. The establishment and realization of the covenant is a wonder performed by God himself. The glorious significance 
of our being partakers of the covenant of grace, of our being partakers of God's covenant life, is set before us in the sign of circumcision. Of what was circumcision a sign? The answer is told us in Romans 4, verse 11, when it is said of Abraham, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. Circumcision signified the circumcision of the heart by the Holy Spirit and therefore the death of our unclean old man, Romans 6, verse 6. And that death of our old man comes in one way according to the words of our text. It comes by the circumcision made without hand in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That is, by the circumcision of which Christ himself is the source. We must be sanctified in Christ. That was emphasized in our baptism form this morning. Sanctified in Christ. Circumcision sets before us that, that glorious significance of being made one with Christ, being made complete in him. As I mentioned in my introduction, that glorious significance is noteworthy in the context of the error that Paul is confronting here. He would have the Colossian Christians and us know that for the church to be brought into bondage, not only to the Old Testament laws, which Christ has fulfilled, but also to human ordinances, traditions of men which have a show of wisdom, though it be but a self-willed religion, to be brought into bondage to those things. Paul says is to destroy the beauty of what Christ has given us and, what he, and the joy of what he has made of us. In this circumcision made without hands, we have been made complete in Christ. We are those made holy, those who reflect the beauty of our Redeemer. And that's something those ordinances can never do. To live in subjection to human ordinances, to listen to those who say to us, for example, you're not much of a Christian if you have a glass of wine with your meal, or if you don't hold to the same view as I do, even if, if you say you can prove your view from Scripture, to live in subjection to erroneous opinion is to let yourself be robbed of the vitality that is ours in Christ. It's to subject yourself to a way of life that can never be joyful because it's always pursuing that which is against us. 
Jesus Christ, as we read in verse 14, has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And our circumcision made without hands signifies that blessed reality. We and our children, daughters included now, have been sanctified in Christ, the body of sin having been put off. Circumcision was a sign of that true circumcision made without hands, in which Christ has now become the focus of our lives. He's the one who has the preeminence also in our own thinking and in our own worship. When the apostle says that in him also ye are circumcised, That means that in the sight of God's law and justice, the defilement of our sin, the pollution of our sinfulness, has been forever removed, even as the foreskin is forever removed in circumcision. What God promised in Isaiah 44, verse 22 has been fulfilled for us and our covenant children. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Or, in the words of the Song of Solomon, 4 verse 5, Christ himself looks upon us, his bride, and says, Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. We have been made beautiful in God's sight. That, after all, is the fundamental meaning of the concept grace. God making us beautiful. And that's what is signified in circumcision. Circumcision is a seal of the righteousness of of faith which is in Christ Jesus. Christ and his church have become legally one. God the Father looks upon us, and he sees us in his beloved, and he receives us in his beloved as both righteous and holy. Christ himself presenting us without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. You notice that circumcision is described as putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Indwelling sin is described as a body because it consists of various parts and various members. It isn't just one sin that characterizes us as we are by nature, but it's a multitude of sins that work together and defile us entirely. But that body of sin has been put off. That is, stripped off or peeled away and discarded. Once again, an indirect reference to circumcision itself. Romans 6, verse 6, speaks of the body of sin having been destroyed. 
It's been destroyed to reveal that which is new. That is the life of Christ in us. And the effect upon us is glorious indeed. God says of us, in Psalm 45, verse 13, the king's daughter is all glorious within. Notice that. Glorious not just by outward appearance, as covered with the white robe of Christ's righteousness, but glorious within. Do you consider yourself that way? Do you look upon your children that way? The glorious significance of circumcision is something that is addressed to faith. It isn't so much a description of our own experience, though we experience, as though we experience subjectively the beauty with which we are described as those who are in Christ, our experience is one of constant struggle with our sinful natures. But faith lays hold of this truth with our minds. And in the proportion that we really appropriate this truth by faith and fix our eyes upon him in whom we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, we also know and experience the joy of our sanctification living with a proper Christ-centered focus, we bring to experience the glory of Christ's life in us, living in joyful gratitude to God for being partakers of his covenant mercies. So again, the question is not only appropriate this morning, but urgent. Are you living with a proper Christ-centered focus, perspective? Is your focus on the glorious truth that you are complete in him, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands? That way of faith is the only way to experience the joy of the Christian life. That's the only way also to know our children as the heritage of the Lord. To live in subjection to our head, who is Christ, is to rejoice in the bridegroom, not distracted or distressed by that religion of self and of human ordinances that's so prevalent in our day, and the blessed fulfillment of that which was signified by circumcision is now found in baptism. Notice that verse 12 is inseparably connected with verse 11 and explains how that which was signified by circumcision is accomplished. That which was signified in circumcision, namely, are being received into God's covenant by the wonder work of his grace is accomplished through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as our head and with us. 
And now verse 12 identifies baptism with circumcision. As circumcision was a sign of our new life in Christ, though it was by promise, so baptism is a sign of our new life in Christ. Now in Christ as the fulfillment, the exalted and preeminent Christ, And as circumcision, according to Romans 4, verse 11, is a seal of the righteousness which is ours by faith, so also baptism is the same seal of the righteousness that is ours by faith. Which is to say, circumcision and baptism are essentially the same. The covenant established with Abraham and his seed in the line of continued generations is an everlasting covenant. The covenant, in other words, is one from the beginning to the end of time. The seed of Abraham, after all, are not the natural children of Abraham. They are Abraham's spiritual children, even as we read in Romans 2, verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And if one failing to take into account the context of Paul's epistle to the Romans might argue that Paul refers to Jewish Christians and not to the church made up of non-Jews, Galatians 3 makes it even more pointed as pertains to the Gentiles. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, We read, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. The sign of the covenant is a sign of our union with Christ. In him, Paul tells us, in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And then this, in verse 29, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Colossians 2 verse 12 tells us, therefore, that there is essentially one sign of the covenant. A sign which signifies our union with Christ and therefore our being partakers of the life of Christ in his covenant of grace. That the sign changes form in keeping with its place in the outward structure of the Old Testament and New Testament, respectively, does not change the fact that they are essentially the same sign. 
the clause buried with him in baptism is the explanation of ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. To be circumcised meant the same in the Old Testament as what baptism means today. And to be baptized, therefore, is to be circumcised. Circumcision was a fitting form in the Old Testament because the reality of the promise had to be clothed in the types and shadows. All the bloodshed of the ceremonies as well as the sacrifices pointed to the necessity of Christ, but the reality saw its fulfillment when Christ came. The types and shadows are no more. We have the fulfillment. Baptism replaces circumcision as the sign as the form fitting this age of fulfillment, Christ's blood having been shed, and our sins having now been washed away. While more could be said about the difference in form between circumcision and baptism, that's the emphasis of the text before us. The fulfillment of that which was gloriously signified in circumcision is now seen in baptism. What is signified in the sacrament that we administered this morning is this. You who are in Christ are partakers of everything that he has done for his church. Having finished the work that God gave him to do in offering that bloody sacrifice for the sins of his people, Christ was buried. He took our curse to the grave. Jesus said, it is finished. But would God confirm that statement of victory? It's one thing, you see, to hear testimony and to bear witness of that which is signified by circumcision and baptism, namely that our sins have been washed away, paid for, but we have to have more than a sign. We have to hear God affirm what is signified there. In other words, we have to hear the gospel affirming that which is signified by the sacrament. And that's why the sacrament means nothing itself apart from the preaching, apart from hearing God's confirmation that our salvation is accomplished. And that gospel comes to focus on this blessed revelation. Christ is risen from the dead. God indeed confirmed Jesus' statement of victory. Jesus had said, it is finished. And by raising his only begotten son from the grave, God said, Amen. You have accomplished the work that I sent you to do. You have satisfied the debt for everyone whom I have given you. Baptism signifies our life in Christ. Being washed from all our guilty stains, we are risen with Christ. We and our children 
as the children of believers in the Old Testament had to receive the sign of the covenant by God's command because they were partakers of that covenant with their spiritual father Abraham and through the promised Messiah. So the children of believers today must receive the sign of the covenant. And as circumcision signified the righteousness which belonged to all the elect in Christ, including those infants, so baptism signifies for our infants the life that is theirs in Christ. No, that's not to say that every child partakes of the significance of that sign. For we are told in Romans 9, verses 6 through 8, and has been our own sad experience, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. But when we understand that Scripture always speaks of the church organically, and as we look upon the church's children through that same lens, so we point them to Christ, saying to them, in whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, the amazing realization of what was signified by circumcision is now signified and is now signified by baptism is ours through the faith of the operation of God. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Through that faith, which is that bond that unites us with Christ, we receive all the blessings of salvation signified by this circumcision made without hands. And coming from that bond, called to our consciousness by the gospel, we embrace by the activity of faith the wonder of our life in Christ. That faith, therefore, is not a condition by which we make our baptism effective. Don't forget, this text speaks of a circumcision made without hands, that which is accomplished by God himself as a wonder of his grace. He who is rich in mercy hath quickened us together with Christ, he has taken us who were dead and given us life, everlasting, resurrection life, life in God's covenant, free from the dominion of sin, forever free, 
We live in the fellowship of God's own life and love. And so it is that we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power, exalted the exalted Lord Christ. And so it is, too, that we consciously strive to see in ourselves the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. The Christian's not merely satisfied in the outward appearance of his or her life, He's a Christian who's a Christian in the recesses of his heart. He's a Christian in whom Christ lives in all his fullness. And when Christ lives in us, and we are conscious of him in all his preeminence, we don't get caught up in will worship and a show of wisdom and human ordinances and opinions. We aren't content merely to be satisfied in what we can accomplish by the outward flesh. We live to do the will of God. Longing to walk in the light of his word, in love for him and for one another. So we live, and so we teach our children to live in the knowledge of being circumcised with that circumcision made without hands, risen, buried and risen with Christ. Amen. Our gracious Father, we give thanks to Thee for the wonder of Thy grace signified and sealed also this morning in the sacrament of holy baptism. And we thank thee that thou hast circumcised us with the circumcision made without hands, giving us that righteousness which is ours by faith in Christ Jesus, in whom is our life, and in whose name we pray. Amen.